Hello and welcome to Tillage Age with me, Michael Hennessy. This is your regular update for all your tillage news and advice. The last round of the CAP draws to a close this December with the new CAP 2023-2027, to beginning in January. The new rules will affect all farmers. The new alliteration of the CAP will have a familiar feel to other regulations as most elements such as entitlements, how to apply for payments and complying with rules to draw down the entitlements will all seem very familiar. The EU has a desire to simplify the rules from one year to the next, but this remains to be seen. There are a number of changes around the basic elements all farmers need to do before any payments are claimed. So today I'm joined by Michael Maloney from the Department of Agriculture to discuss these new requirements and how farmers can comply in 2023. Michael, there's a new term in the new CAP called conditionality. What is conditionality? Conditionality is effectively going to replace cross-compliance, which people... Uh, farmers would, would be well aware of uh, that was introduced uh, with the previous cap and even actually the, the cap back in 2005. So it's replacing uh, cross-compliance. And what it is, is it's linking your, your now what is going to be called your, your BIS payment uh, and other cap payments with compliance with certain statutory management requirements or SMRs uh, and uh, GAIAC standards, uh, Good Agricultural Environmental Condition. So... Uh, actually, currently, uh, under cross-compliance, there are 13 SMRs and 7 GAIAC, so a total of 20 requirements. Uh, under conditionality, that actually remains the same uh, number, albeit uh, 11 SMRs and uh, 9 GAIAC uh, standards. So it's basically an adherence to certain articles of certain regulations. Some of these uh, farmers will be well aware of, such as the nitrates regulations, uh, the habitats, uh, food and feed hygiene. Tillage farmers would be well aware of the plant protection products uh, uh, statutory management requirement. A new one that's been added uh, for 2023 would be the Sustainable Use Directive. Uh, and there's been much discussion about uh, GAIAC 7, uh, which is crop rotation, which is very relevant and pertinent to tillage farmers. So that's basically what, what, what the conditionality is. So to a degree, it's it's to a degree nothing new necessarily. Um, uh, only kind of a, I suppose some of the, the old stuff that was already in there. However, it just it strikes me: is there one of them that that's after shifting into it? The the, the issue around um, uh, crop diversification does that now shift from greening requirements now into some of this new conditionality? Yes, Michael, it does. Um, <clears throat> as you know, in the past, you had your basic payments payment and you had your steam payment and you had your greening payment. So greening now is, is moving from a kind of a scheme in its own right into conditionality under uh, GAIAC 7 uh, crop rotation. And within that, uh, effectively, you know, we, we have protracted negotiations with the commission in relation to crop rotation. Uh, it's it's effectively crop diversification with a, with a twist as such. We might get to some of those kind of things later on because there's a few, a few elements of that we might just need to discuss. So in terms of conditionality then, does that affect grassland farmers in as much as it does tillage farmers? Yes, it does. It, it, it affects all beneficiaries, whether you're uh, grass, um, tillage, it, it affects. But if you're drawing down the payments under the Pillar 1 schemes, which would be uh, the, the, the BIS, uh, the CRIS, there's going to be a, a new uh, young farmer scheme, your ANC uh, eco scheme, protein aid, all those which tillage farmers in, in, in the main would be claiming, or even indeed the pillar two schemes like uh, acres, organic farming, 
they all must comply with the statutory management requirements uh, as set out under conditionality. So it, it exists to establish, it, it a link, it's a link between uh, your payment and uh, compliance with, with those um, 11 SMRs and the, the, the nine DIACs. Okay, okay. And so we might do maybe just step through maybe a few of the ones that are a few of the areas, I suppose, that are going to be more pertinent to tillage farmers maybe than, than, than to grassland farmers. The first one I want to maybe touch upon is this buffer strip. Um, and I think most farmers probably have an idea about the buffer strip that if it if it comes into the maps they, they receive as a blue line, that's, that's an area where, they're, they're, they're doing the, where a buffer strip is actually needed. And in the rules there at the moment, I think, is, is it a two metre buffer strip? Is that likely to change? Yeah, correct, Michael. You're, 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 you're bang on. It's currently two metres uh, under the GAIAC standard and also the, the nitrates regulations. And that is changing under GAIAC 4. That uh, margin is increasing to three metres. Uh, and the, there will be an amendment shortly in the nitrates regulations bringing that into line. So three metres will become the new uh, uh, buffer along uh, watercourses visible on a one to 5,000 scale map. So that's the blue as you as you, you referred to earlier. Okay. And then there's, a, there's an, an additional bit that's coming into it then for 2020. It was actually here for 2022, I think, but it's certainly here for 23 in terms of these late harvested crops. So maybe crops the likes of maybe potatoes or maize or crops like that, that um, there's a need for a wider buffer. You might just explain where that, where that comes out. Yes, in relation to the, the later harvested crops, and they're defined as kind of your vegetable crops uh, harvested after the 15th of September, uh, your fodder beet, sugar beet, main crop potatoes and maize. It excludes cereals uh, and, and uh, cereal crops and, and beans. So the requirement there is that you must maintain a six metre buffer uh, to protect watercourses uh, in, in, in that case. So it's a six metre uh, where you have a, a parcel with, with late sown uh, crops. Again, the whole idea is to protect um, the, the, the adjoining watercourse. So how does that overlap then with the existing rules that are already there? So if I've gone into a field, potatoes in it, I already have it, this three metre buffer zone already on the headland. Is it three metres plus another three metres or is it three metres plus six metres of this late harvested crop rule? It's it's a total of six metres. So if there's already a, a, you've already a three metre requirement or currently uh, in the past it was a two metre, that's now a combined uh, total of six metres. So it's three metres plus three metres. Three metres plus three metres. And that's an uncultivated, I suppose, in lots of situations that would probably be uh, a grass kind of established kind of grass scenario that'll be, be over time. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And and then the, the last one just on the margins bit that, that many people maybe are considering acres and some might be considering the margin options in that. Is the margin additional to everything we talked about there or can part of that six meters count for the acres scheme, if you like? No, I suppose acres like you know the the, the glass that went before it they, they're pillar two measures and they always go beyond what we call baseline. So your baseline is, is what's there for conditionality or what's in the regulations. So the objective of the of, of acres, et cetera, is you're going beyond that. So if you have uh, three metres uh, around your, your margin around your watercourses, acres will pay for a margin in addition to that. So the one that you have to watch out for is, let's say, for example, a farmer 
uh, has six meters uh, under under acres. If they have a late harvested uh, crop in one of those fields, that that area, that six meters that's there currently, will only meet the baseline. So you need to go beyond that uh, for acres in, okay. in in those kind of late harvested crop uh, fields adjacent to a watercourse. Just to move it on a little bit then, and, and I suppose the one that 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 um, maybe caught a lot of people out this year going out was this double cultivation after harvest to establish this green cover. And I, I think most people interacted very well with Michael in terms of they, they probably got out and, and cultivated and others probably gave out a little bit to say that God, I wanted to cultivate all of it, but I have to leave a bit for the birds and that kind of stuff. But as the season has gone on, um, and I suppose it's been very wet, there's a number of types of ground out there at the moment. We might just maybe go through a few of those at the moment and kind of see where, where, where farmers might be. The first one, I suppose, really is around farmers who may well have plowed a little bit of ground with the hope of planting that ground, but it's not planted at the moment. What, where, where are those farmers at the moment? Okay, in relation to nitrates and plowing, the rules are, are the same as have been there previously, uh, that the when we're on, on an inspection case uh, where you're looking at arable land, uh, plowed between, in this case, the 1st of July and the 30th of November, which we're still in that window, uh, there have to be uh, necessary measures have had to take place to provide emergence of green cover within, within 14 days. Now, the problem here is you may have a case where ground has been plowed and a farmer has not got in there either, let's say, for plowing or for stubble cultivation. Uh, we will. There is no force majeure provisions within the regulations to allow us to to ignore ignore that or to fully take into account the weather. But we look at each case by case. So an example would be if a farmer had failed to meet the requirement uh, for ploughing or for the emergence of green cover, we would be asking, well, have you have you seed purchased? You know, the farmer may have a shed full of seed that he just hasn't been able to use because of the weather. Uh, well, that we would consider that as being as as mitigating. But if a farmer went out and ploughed up the whole uh, farm as such, um, you know, you could argue that he, he, he was taking a chance or a risk uh, that it was it was you know without without taking into account in the event of uh, bad weather in that case. But look, the easiest way is we will treat every case uh, on a case by case basis, and we are taking into account or we'll take into account the current inclement weather. Okay, and then we have bits and pieces of ground out there that have um, green cover established on it. They, they they were scratched and the green cover is up, and now the green cover cover is there. And uh, where does that land sit now in terms of ploughing? Because it, it, it is that is it still capable of ploughing that land from the first of December, or is there different rules applying to that? No, that's correct. Like uh, any ground that has been stubble cultivated to meet that new requirement. Uh, weather permitting, of course, can be ploughed after the first of December and left in a ploughed state. Uh, so that's you know, if if I know farmers have have been allowed to plough from the first of December for for the past number of years, uh, but you know, in recent years we certainly haven't had the weather uh, for December ploughing. But if that happens, uh, most certainly uh, the ground that has uh, been established and green cover established on it can be ploughed uh, after one December. And is that does that hold true then for stubbles or, or or ground if you like that a farmer has left for the the, the feeding of the birds if you like in that um, uh, cultivation type scenario is that hold true for yeah. that as well that that ground could be played as well the same the same in the, in that case what's what's happening there is farmers are to leave between twenty and twenty five percent of the cereal land 
they should be left there for for uh, bird foraging as such. And that area can be ploughed up. You can't use uh, herbicides to to kill it off until at least the first of of, of February, but you can plough uh, from the first of December. Okay, okay, that's that's fairly straightforward enough. So. Um, and I suppose the last one then just just to, to think about is uh, for farmers who that, that have harvested, I don't know, potatoes or beet only in the last maybe a number of weeks. Is there any requirement on that particular ground to do anything with it between now and? No, that's, that's exempt from the, the stubble uh, cultivation requirement, because look, to be quite honest, you're going to, you know, to require somebody to go in and try and. Uh, you stubble cultivate. You're going to do more harm than than good in that case. You're going to damage the soil, which is totally contrary to what we're trying to achieve uh, in relation to the GAICs and and the the, the regulations. And I, I suppose really maybe the lesson or the, the the thing to learn from that maybe on far, from farmers' point of view is planning for the likes of those crops next year uh, for 2023. That six meter rule, as we talked about earlier, really needs to be to be put in place for, for those intersecting water courses. Absolutely, Michael, yeah. Um, can we go back then, just come back then to the crop rotation bits we mentioned it a little bit earlier on. Um, that's a big enough issue on farms, but I think most farmers probably have a fairly good idea about the two and three crop rules in terms of the areas that you have for where you need to have those crops. That's not enforced for 2023, am I correct in saying that? Absolutely. There's um, a derogation uh, was available and uh, we, um, we we adopted that uh, derogation for 2023. So uh, effectively, farmers can sow one crop, two crop, five crops, whatever, whatever suits their, 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 their plan, their, their, their farm as such for 2023. But the new rules in relation to crop rotation uh, come into force in 2024. Okay, so that's back in 2024, and people will understand that's back in 2024. But there's an additional bit coming on to that, and there's well, actually before I get to the additional bit, I'll go back a little bit to there's there were there was exemptions in the current rules around having that um, that type of rotation on on the farm, and in the new rules there's a rule around have if 50 percent of your area of your area is in winter barley, what's the rules around that? Yeah, the the the, winter, the the barley, the fifty percent of our arable area sown to barley is one of the exemptions. Just to take you back, what's required from twenty twenty four is basically crop rotation at parcel level on a four year rotation cycle. Uh, now the reference year hasn't been established uh, as yet. We're we're still in in discussions with the commission, so it'll either be twenty three or twenty four. So. There are a number of exemptions. Uh, that's obviously farmers less than 10 hectares of, of arable land, organic farmers, uh, farmers with more than 75% of their arable area in permanent uh, pasture. Uh, and that's they're exempt from crop rotation and to their diversification. But in relation to the new crop rotation requirement, farmers with 10 to 50 hectares of arable land, where at least 50% of the arable crop is sown in barley, is, uh, they're, they're exempt from the, the crop rotation requirement. So just to go back a little bit, Michael, this is where people I think might, might get a little bit confused. So there's a crop rotation in terms of the entire farm, in terms of the, uh, you need two or three different crops over the entire farm. But then there's new rules coming in, which are kind of brand new in this in this round, where each parcel must have a different crop in it over a space of four years. Am I right in saying yes. that? Yeah, as, as I call it, kind of crop, it's, it's crop diversification with a twist. You have the two crop, three crop rules that they, 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 they 
they will continue that if you're between in 2024, if you're between 10 and 30 hectares, you have to have two crops. Uh, greater than 30, you have to have three crops with the usual 75-95% uh, ratio. But what you have to achieve uh, on a four-year cycle is that there is a crop rotation or a change of crop uh, type at parcel level at least once in that four-year period. Now, if some people, and there's a certain cohort of, of, of specialised tillage farmers who may be just growing spring barley, uh, there, there uh, is a way of meeting that requirement uh, through secondary crops or catch crops. So in that case, so this is somebody who, who is not able for whatever reason to meet the crop rotation requirement at parcel level. The alternative for those people uh, are that they sow at least a cover crop, a catch crop, and at least 50% of the arable area uh, at the farm level. And that, that 50% must be across all parcels uh, at least once in that four-year cycle. So every year you must sow 50% catch crops, but you must rotate that catch crop to cover all your parcels within a four-year period. Okay. And that only extends to, I suppose, literally speaking, smaller farmers who have at least 50% of their area in barley in that particular year. Yeah, that's the 10 to 50 uh, uh, hectare category where uh, at least 50% of their area is sown to barley. And that can be winter or spring or a combination, they're exempt from that rotation uh, requirement. Okay. People might take a while to get their heads around that one, but it's something that they'll certainly have to think about. But it really doesn't apply, uh, probably not to worry too much about it until 2024. But uh, I suppose other people probably may well have a question around, well, hang on there now a second, about this barley rule. What if I'm renting land in? How would I know what what was in that, not just last year, but the previous year or the previous year to that? Is there any rules in around that? Yeah, well, as you say, it's it's if you have a, a farmer that for let's say in twenty twenty seven, assuming let's say the commission uh, st- stipulate that the the start of the rotation period is twenty three, so in twenty seven, you know, there's a, there's a big percentage of of land, uh, you know, managed at conacre level, so it's moving. They might only have it for a year or two or whatever. And I'm somebody that new that rents a piece of ground for the first time in twenty twenty seven. Uh, effectively, you've no way of knowing. Uh, what was in that uh, parcel for the previous uh, three years. So we uh, have it stipulated in the CAP strategic plan that uh, we will have a tolerance integrated to manage to manage those type of situations, what we call parcel transfer situations. So there's a, there's a number of rules in relation to uh, conditionality. And one is uh, that a farmer is only liable to a sanction under conditionality if it's through an act or remission uh, directly applicable to that or responsible to that farmer. So you could argue uh, they applied for a parcel, they put in a crop of winter wheat in good faith, they didn't know what was in it in the previous three years, and it just happened to be winter wheat in the previous three years, for example, or winter barley or whatever. Uh, that farmer won't and can't be liable to a conditionality sanction because, you know, uh, they didn't know what was in it in the previous three, previous three years. So that's, you know, that's what we're, how we're looking at the, the rental parcels. Okay. Okay. Well, look, I suppose maybe a lot of farmers might be listening to this and kind of thinking to themselves, God, I'm glad those rules aren't coming in until at least 2024 <laughs> because there's quite quite a bit in it. Michael, you're, you're a mind of information and thanks very much for going through those few elements of it. And if you're if you're willing, we might have you back again just to talk about a few other areas um, in, in around that. No problem at all, Michael. You're very welcome. So that's it for this week. And my thanks to Michael for joining me on the podcast. Finally, don't forget if you enjoyed the podcast and recommend it to a friend or colleague. And as always, rate, review and follow on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so you never miss an episode. 
And for more information, go to chargis.ie. I'm Michael Hennessy. Thanks for listening. And I'll be back next week with more Tillage news and advice.